2: You are Locked On Packers. He
0: did what? Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Cousins is taken down. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Aaron Jones Your broken it
2: open every day. With a dagger of
1: a run. We're Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On. Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Shout out to all of you who noticed that we've got a new intro to the new intro. (laughs) I decided, yeah, I had a little insomnia and I thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we pulled some Vikings related highlights. And of course, you did what was at the top of that list. I tried to find some other ones. It's it's kind of hard to find some of that stuff. So I I went with what was easiest, what was from last season, um, and um, what I was able to find at midnight last night. So uh, I appreciate those of you who noticed and who, who said something about it. Um, we are going to talk with Pro Football Focus's Mike Renner. Today on the show, and uh, I know that he had some takes about the Packers draft. We're not really going to get into that uh, in our conversation, but certainly go read Mike. He, He does a great job covering the NFL draft for PFF. He just happens to be from Wisconsin, happens to follow this team. And so I thought it was an appropriate way to kick off the 2020 NFL season expert Tuesday with the man known as PFF Mike. Before we do that, though, there is some some news and some things that we need to talk about. The Packers put Kamel Martin on IR. Uh, they also put KB on Ento on IR. Those guys will be able to come off in three weeks, as opposed to the uh, designated to return previously had been eight weeks. And uh, this is just, it makes much more sense. Um, I don't know why you shouldn't just be able to come back whenever. I don't, I guess it doesn't seem that like that big a deal to me, but. They added Perry Nickerson, who was a cornerback for the Jaguars last year, who is very fast and not much else. Uh, And and they still have an open roster spot. They could do a number of different things uh, with those spots. They had Justin Britt, who's a center for the Seahawks, former center for the Seahawks, and uh, Daylon Mack, uh, former fifth-round pick of the Ravens. So Milt Hendrickson has some familiarity with him. He is a stout, run-stuffing interior player. Could be that sort of Michael Pierce light, light diet version uh, if the Packers wanted to have a situation like that. But apparently, according to Adam Kaplan, uh, Britt's workout went well. Uh, He has some some positional flexibility, can play on the interior or out at tackle, which is something the Packers uh, theoretically like. So something to keep an eye on there. The more important thing, though, I think for us as we sit here on Tuesday, the Packers practiced yesterday and not practicing. Billy Turner, and Raven Green. These are two players Green Bay is going to have to rely on this week. And now that it is time for actual games, we have to start looking at what that means for Green Bay. And Matt LaFleur on Monday said he will not name a starter until Sunday. That means they'll have to prepare for A slew of different players in Minnesota didn't rule out that Elton Jenkins would go to right tackle. Lane Taylor is uh, someone who has played tackle in the past. If Turner can't go, you'd think it's going to be Wagner, but we don't know for sure. Of course, that's important against a team as good as Minnesota on the edges, as, as adept as Minnesota is as a blitzing team, and that continuity is really important. To me, the prudent decision there is you play Rick Wagner at tackle, leave Taylor and Jenkins at the guards. Mike McCarthy's formula on this, and I think in some ways to his detriment, was I'd rather keep as many guys at their natural positions. This is the sort of traditional wisdom of coaches. I'd rather keep as many guys at their natural positions or their preferred positions as I can, even if it means playing someone who's really bad. It's the Don Barclay corollary. So even if it would make more sense to move a guard to tackle and then play that backup guard, McCarthy always preferred to say, I'm going to keep the guard where he is and play this potentially bad player at tackle. That was his MO. Matt LaFleur is not that dogmatic. He doesn't look at it that way. He wants to put the best five that he can on the field, even if it means taking someone out of their most natural position. So if he thinks the best five is Lane Taylor at right tackle and Lucas Patrick at right guard, not crazy, then that's what he'll do. If he thinks moving Elton Jenkins to right tackle and playing Lucas Patrick at left guard is the move, then that's what he'll do. Now, there is, of course, value in the continuity. This is a team that, for most of training camp, went Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Corey Lindsley, Lane Taylor, and either Rick Wagner or Billy Turner. And Lane Taylor played really well at right guard. So that seems like his best position. If Rick Wagner is healthy, that decision seems like it's been made that it's going to be Wagner. If Wagner is not a hundred percent, if he's looking, you know, stiff or he's looking a little sluggish in practice this week, maybe a decision is made at the last minute to make some changes. Maybe you call Jared Valdir on Wednesday. Uh, there are other options. Maybe Justin Britt gets signed, and and maybe you say, hey, you got to you got to play this weekend. I don't know why it wouldn't just be Jared Valdir, but that's where we are. So we're not going to know there probably until Sunday, but I think we're going to have an indication as the week goes on if Rick Wagner is 100% or something close to it. It seems like the, the smart choice is to keep the continuity there. That's where Green Bay already has an advantage over a lot of other teams. And especially if Billy Turner is not a long-term injury, you'd rather not upset the apple cart in the short term, particularly when you have other good options there in Wagner. Now, the Raven Green injury is a little more concerning. Now, yesterday he was able to stretch and be out there a little bit, which, you know, I don't I don't like to play body language doctor on this stuff because you just never know. But it is the case that that he looks to be progressing past, say, where Billy Turner is and could have a chance to play. He was someone who played a lot of snaps early in the season for Green Bay before he got hurt and played well, particularly against the Bears in Week 1. Now, in Week 2, the Packers played a lot more base personnel. Well, that's where the Camille Martin injury comes into play because if you wanted to play your big people, you wanted to play three down linemen, you wanted to play two true linebackers, well, the preferred starter at linebacker is not there. Now, what if they wanted to go to this Mike Patton hybrid? You play Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, the Smith brothers, and Rashawn Gary. That's your front. It's basically three and two the way you'd normally have it in a 3-4. Only one of those guys, instead of being a defensive lineman, is a a outside linebacker. And then you can play however you want a Christian Kirk is going to be behind it. You could play with Oren Burks. You could play with Ty Summers if you wanted to go big with the linebackers. Or... If you're Mike Patton and you want to play a ton of hybrid personnel, you play Raven Green because your preferred starter is not in. And Raven Green is probably going to play, if he's healthy, 60-plus percent of snaps anyway. So why not just play that guy? That was the decision Mike Patton made last year. That was how he handled all of this. Well, if your Swiss Army Knife player is hurt, then you may have to fit into some more rigid, traditional secondary boxes. Now the other option is hey, you move Adrian Amos down into the box. You let Will Redmond play a little bit more deep. And against the Vikings, when you only have Adam Thielen really to worry about down the field, maybe that is a more tenable solution. Maybe that works. Uh I'm I'm not sure it's ideal. I think if you're the Packers, you're going, look, um Kyle Rudolph doesn't scare us. Irv Smith Jr. doesn't scare us. Adam Thielen is the only guy in the passing game who can kill us. The other guys can can do things to help pile on to beat us, but they can't kill us. Kyle Rudolph is not going to catch eight balls for a buck forty and two touchdowns. Adam Thielen absolutely could. That has to be your focus. And I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Patton let Jair Alexander do a lot of shadowing of Adam Thielen, just because you know Justin Jefferson is a rookie, and you you're going to tip your hat if he beats you. And he's not even been the guy exclusively running with the ones. Olabisi Johnson has been getting run there. They signed Tajay Sharp. Those guys don't scare you. So maybe you just say, look, we're going to play two linebackers. We're going to play with this hybrid outside linebacker, you know, three outside linebacker look. And we don't think it's going to matter if we don't play our nickel or our dime because the only guy who can kill us is Adam Thielen. And as long as we don't let him make the big play, we can win. That is a winning strategy for the Packers, and especially if Raven Green is hurt, don't be surprised to see them look a little bit more traditional than we're used to, and there's nothing traditional about the car part buying experience right now, especially with so many storefronts closed, or maybe you just don't want to go in. You don't want to deal with the hassle. You don't want to deal with the condescending guy behind the counter. You don't want to deal with feeling like, hey, I don't really know what I'm talking about that. Maybe I'm projecting a little bit. That's me. Chain stores can also have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rock Auto doesn't do that. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to Rock Auto to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands specifications and prices you prefer go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you
3: hey listen up FanDuel fantasy players your day is about to get 20 percent better
1: All right, let's get to our conversation with Mike Renner. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike. Catch all the work he does with Pro Football Focus and the excellent draft guide they put out every year. They constantly churn out new content. They are really stepping up their game, turning out interesting articles, awesome data studies. They've really become an invaluable resource to the NFL community, both media fans and even teams. Every NFL team has a contract with Pro Football Focus, by the way. So... The actual coaches and front offices and players are looking at their data. So let's talk to someone else who's looking at their data. He's a good Wisconsin boy. Mike, thanks for coming on Locked on Packers.
2: Happy to do it. Glad to. Uh, I was just in Green Bay a couple weeks ago. Or last weekend, actually. So I'll try not to be a homer. But I am a, I am a Packers fan. So.
1: <laughs> well, maybe you'll still have the glow from being in God's country on you. And uh, that, will, that will rub off. Uh, on our on our chat here. So speaking of Green Bay, um, this is going to be a weird season because there's not going to be a mystique of Lambeau kind of situation. The fans are are not going to be around, at least for the foreseeable future. You and I were chatting off air about how different that's going to be for the city. It seemed like the season really snuck up on us have you have you processed that this is all happening now? Because I feel like I have not even even though we're we're sitting here talking about games that are going to be played in just a couple of days, I haven't processed that that the season's starting.
2: Yeah, I, it really. I woke up today and I was like, "Damn, this is kind of game week," but it still doesn't feel like it's game week. It, I don't know how to describe it, but it still doesn't feel like until I think like a real football game is on TV, I won't I won't feel like we're in the middle of a season, which because like once you get four preseason games, you're, you're usually in like a swing of things and almost like a routine at this point. It still seems almost like this thing that is mythical, like an oasis out in the distance.
1: Exactly. Well, the oasis is here. Uh, it is not a mirage. At least I don't think it is. Maybe that'll change in the next couple of days. Hopefully it doesn't. We, we spent a lot of time. Uh, in the offseason talking about what the packers did and didn't do and and even that those conversations seems like a long time ago then we got to breathlessly pour over the tweets from training camp and all of all of that stuff. Without a preseason, where do you sit right now as we stand in week one in terms of where you think this Packers team can go this season?
2: I think they're good enough to win a Super Bowl. Like I truly do, because they're good in the right spots, quarterback yeah secondary you have a corner quarterback and a secondary you can win Super Bowl not in this day and age and I think they you know could quietly have a top three secondary in the NFL this year assuming you know progression from some of the young guys on that roster but I I just I do think that they are built to stop most teams in the NFL today they still have some issues in run defense but I I think their pass defense could be among the league's best and they could have uh, I, I think there's reason to believe their offense could take a big step forward this year in year two with Matt LaFleur. So I, I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about this team heading into it, despite, you know, how last year ended.
1: Well, and and despite some of the wailing and gnashing of teeth over the draft, I know that you are fully steeped in all of that. You were part of those wailing and gnashing of, of teeth. Um what's interesting is if you extrapolate even even further out and, and take a broader look, it's not just quarterback and secondary. Offensive line, which we think of as, as at least traditionally important in, in pass protection, the Packers can do that. Can they rush the passer top five in pressure rate last year? So the premium positions, they have dudes at all of those spots, even if, OK, they don't have great depth at receiver. They don't have, you know, a good linebacker core. OK, but those are positions that, you know, it, well, at receiver, obviously, is important. Where do, you, where do you think they are at receiver? Can, do, you, do you have one of these guys? It seems like everyone who follows this team has a guy that's like, okay, that's my dude. It's Lazard. It's MVS, It's EQ.
0: I
2: truthfully, I, I don't have faith in any of
0: them, unfortunately, is the problem.
2: <laughs> I would say of the bunch, what who looked the best, Alan Lazard. I think bar none. Yeah. He had the best ball skills. That's the thing about Marcos Valdez scaling that I just can't get on board with, even if you know, maybe he did look good in camp just doesn't attack the ball right and he had he left so many plays on the field that you know if you if it's jordy nelson you know he's making that catch 10 times out of 10 and, and Valdez scaling just let like a dozen of those go to the turf last year so and that's the worrisome thing with for me with Valdez scaling despite the speed the athleticism whatever sure ball skills is still premium at that position and rogers isn't gonna throw to you unless he trusts you and i think that's a problem
1: For sure. One of the really interesting uh, studies that that PFF did um, in the last year was they looked at, I believe it was the draft and and the the war wins above replacement of the different positions and found that uh, safety, I, I think was in a somewhat surprising outcome, was one of the most valuable positions. Are we underestimating how impactful the changes at safety last year were and potentially how growth there could impact them this year?
2: Yeah, I think safety has gotten undervalued. Like like I said, the war numbers, our war figure says safety is one of the most valuable positions on the football field because it's the most high variance, like a bad play from a safety. And I think that's why a lot of I think maybe like DCs or maybe just GMs in general don't value them because a lot of the plays, they're not even involved. Like they're so far from the football, but it's the ones that they are involved in that are very high leverage. Like Darnell Savage missing one tackle on with Josh Jacobs last year is a 60 yard difference. Uh, if he makes that tackle versus not making that tackle, they are involved. They, they have to make, you know, plays that are, like I said, those high leverage plays, uh, and I think they have the guys to do it this year, though. Like, I, I think you'll see a big step forward from Darnell Savage, even though he was very good still as a rookie. I think what he showed, you, you'll see even more of that in year two. And obviously, Adrian Amos very solid. And then Raven Green looked like you know he was a, one of their best defenders last year when he was on the field, uh, and they have him back now too. So I, I do think there's a lot of reason to be hopeful.
1: Where were you on Darnell Savage coming out oh, when, when he was coming out of Maryland? He
2: yeah, was. Uh, our number one safety in that class. Uh, I thought he was. Uh, I, I I just loved the, his playmaking ability over the middle of the field. Like, is his speed and closing ability is what you want at that position. If you're going to have a deep safety, that's kind of the guy. That's the guy you want. So I think he's when when they made that pick, I thought that was just a perfect fit.
1: Yeah, and and you mentioned the, the Josh Jacobs play. I think there were uh, probably a couple of those in that game. The Packers had no chance to stop Josh Jacobs and Darnell Savage. Took a bad angle on the 75-yard Dalvin Cook run as well. So those things, you can clean those up if you can. It, it can have a big outcome. Certainly the alley defenders against San Francisco, Adrian Amos and Dernal Savage, did not play well in those games. And all of a sudden, Raheem Mostert turns 10 into 35 and a touchdown. So th- that stuff made sense to me. but. The league, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to value them from a monetary standpoint, I guess, unless they're way at the top of the position. I mean, it it seems weird, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. I think you're seeing a little bit of a turn. Like You just saw Buda Baker get paid a ton, and I don't think anyone would argue yeah. he's you know top three, top five safety in the NFL, and he just got paid, what, $15 million a year. So I think maybe there's a little bit of a turn, but I think a lot of guys are seen as replaceable. And like I said, I think it comes down to the fact that they are not... They're not involved in a, in a lot of plays. Like a lot of times, if you're just a middle-of-the-field safety in a defense, you a lot of times that is just a role that you're not going to be uh, tested. It's almost like a placeholder in a lot of defenses. So I don't think – I think a lot of GMs around the league are kind of seeing it as an interchangeable position, whereas I do think it's one that you would like to be deep at because you're playing three safeties a lot of times in a lot of these uh, you know, nickel-dime defenses.
1: Yeah, and as the Packers are, are looking at a, a matchup this week against Minnesota, they're probably going to play fewer nickel-and-dime looks than they would in a regular week. Kamal Martin was having a really good training camp. He's going to be out. How, what is your confidence level in this defense against the Vikings where you know your your run defense was not great last year in Green Bay? And on the other side, Minnesota, they don't have Stefan Diggs, so they can't make you pay on those play-action shots the same way. We think Justin Jefferson, a really intriguing player, but is a rookie coming in with no offseason. So what is your what is your read on on how this Packers defense matches up with the Minnesota offense?
2: I, I mean, I think they match up really well. And you saw that in last year's two games because we're there, you know, Kenny Clark against, uh, gosh, I have the center's name for the Vikings. Garrett Bradbury? Yeah, Bradbury. It's just, that's just a mismatch. Like, they, he owned him in both those games, and then obviously against Elf line too. Uh, I, I think you'll see a similar, now they don't have uh, Blake Martinez this year, and, and, like, on paper, the run defense got worse, unfortunately. Like, the one, the one thing that, you know, was their Achilles heel last year it doesn't look like it's improved at all, but I think a lot of that can be Schematically changed. They did not really care about run defense. We just like watched if no. the they were not like <laughs> they would have second level players on their defense, you know, aligned out of their gap, like slinged out of their gap to play uh, pass coverage, and then make, made it more difficult on them to, you know, defend a lot of the plays. You saw that in the 49ers game. You saw it in the Eagles game early in the year that they lost and got just gashed. So I think that schematically, that's going to have to start from. Uh, DC down, they're going to have to just change up their approach against run-heavy teams like that uh, and kind of, almost I don't want to say give them the pass, but trust that you have the guys in your secondary that they can get the job done uh, without you know needing too much help. So I do think schematically is what they're going to have to change in terms of run defense because uh, on the field right now, I, I don't see them taking a massive leap just with the players they have.
1: Do you like the idea of what we saw from Mike Patton early on in, in training camp where he's saying, okay, here's two defensive linemen, three outside linebackers with Rashawn Gary and then having your off-ball guys? Does that seem like a reasonable solution to you?
2: I I mean, truthfully, Darius Smith, I love his versatility. Like He was at his best, I thought, like over guards on the interior, rushing there, or just being able to, like a lot of times in run defense, you have you know, your gap and you're responsible for that he was one of the few guys on that team that could make plays on his own in run defense. You, I think, and when you have guys like that, like Michael Bennett's of the world, JJ Watts, Aaron Donalds, D- defense coordinators give them freedom to make plays and run defense. I think you have to do that with a guy like that's where you're going to take the next step. In my opinion, is if you get a guy like the Smith, the freedom to make plays and he starts making more plays against the run. Cause if you're just asking him to hold his gap, I think you're misusing his talent. So I do like uh, that sort of idea of letting him have more freedom.
1: Yeah, Mike Patton said outright, I, "I don't really care that much about gap integrity if it means we're making plays in the backfield. If you're penetrating, that's what's important to him." And I uh, this is a, this is a variance thing. Like it, it, we think you can make fewer plays than we can make, mm-hmm. and and that's a really intriguing idea. And and Pro Football Focus, you, some of your data guys have been all about the. Hey, not only does run defense matter, but maybe defense in general is not as important. Josh Hermsmeyer over at five thirty-eight has talked about that. How I know you're at PFF, but how how much of the, I don't know if defense and especially run defense matters that much, train are you on?
2: I, I do. I'm all in on the run defense is, I don't want to say completely schematic, but you can do things in run defense to usually shut down uh, rush offense if you really want to. You can't do things in coverage you know, schematically to really shut down good passing offenses so uh, from that perspective if you're going to invest in places i think you, the packers are invested in the right places they're investing in a lot of guys who are very good at either rushing the passer or playing coverage uh, on the back end so that's what you would like your money to be spent on uh, but at the same time uh, i i don't go all the way into you know, what some of the guys said about defense not mattering yes it's very predictive based on the <laughs> offense you're going up against but it's also very matchup based. You you want, for sure. you want playmakers on defense. And yeah. I think they have them. They just, need, uh, they just need, like I said, give them a little more freedom to make those plays. And, uh, and if you have a high variance run defense where you're making plays, you know, tackles for loss and then maybe getting gashed a couple of times, I, I, I'd be all in on that. That's a lot better than what we saw last year where it was just no plays in the backfield in some of those games. Yeah.
1: It's one of those things where if you're gonna give up the run game to stop the pass, you better be able to stop the pass. The games that, that Green Bay struggled was when they gave up the run to stop the pass and then couldn't do that either. So you you, you can't do that. And that was that was Philly, that was the Chargers, yep. that was the 49ers to a degree, even in that first matchup. You're you're sort of the perfect person for this question because the Vikings are going to rely on a lot of rookies this year. Justin Jefferson is going to have to be a big-time player for them and their offense. They're going to need contributions from Cam Dansler and Jeff Gladney. So what do you think this team is like week one relying on all those rookies? Because we assume eventually it's going to look like something else.
2: Yeah, they're secondary. I mean, it wasn't good last year. I just don't see how starting you know two rookies possibly here – or Holton Hill, I just don't think it's going to be great. I don't think you're going to get great results. I don't see a big turnaround right away from that secondary. And Justin Jefferson, he can be he can be fantastic out the gate. There's no way he's going to be able to replace Stephon Diggs. O- Ola B.C. Johnson, the fact that he's still what, was getting first team reps over Jefferson like this late into uh, preseason was I don't want to say it's concerning, but it just more so shows so sh- more so says that I don't think they're going to have a very uh, a great competent number two wide receiver there they're going to be leaning on Adam Thielen so there's just not there's not a lot of places and that I see this Minnesota Vikings team being better than they were last year when if you're not getting better at positions usually injury luck goes elsewhere guys uh, fall off with age whatnot you know Riley Reese a candidate for something like that uh so I, I do think that there's reason to be just saying that I, I just don't think there's a lot of reason to be hopeful if you're the Minnesota Vikings in terms of where did we improve this offseason.
1: This has been great, Mike. I, I really appreciate it. Let my let my listeners know where they can find all of the work that you do.
2: Yeah, follow me on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike. And at PFF.com, we have the new preseason draft guide just dropped a couple weeks ago that has 100 prospects, and a lot of those guys aren't even playing this fall, so that might be their final eval. So uh It's not the only, it's not going to be the only version, but it's the one that's available right now.
1: And it always looks so good. Your draft guide is an invaluable resource to anyone who wants to study these players, wants to be in the know about the draft. So uh, read what Mike is writing all the time.
0: Uh, And I appreciate you coming on the show.
2: For sure, Peter. Appreciate you having me on.
0: America's number one organic bread for a reason. It tastes so stinking good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit Dave'sKillerBread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store. All right, I want
1: to thank Mike Renner for joining the show. Great to talk to him. Tomorrow on the show, we debut our Wednesday segment with Lily Zhao from the Fox affiliate in Milwaukee talking about the Packers matchup with the Minnesota Vikings. Remember, we're here every day. It's the regular season now. Monday through Friday, we are on your device, your phone, your tablet, your your Bluetooth, tell your Bluetooth speaker to play Locked on Packers, all of that good stuff. We are there Lily on Wednesday and then on Thursday Luke Braun from Locked on Vikings to get us a behind enemy lines look at what the Vikings are doing to prepare to face the defending NFC North champion the 13 and 3 from 2019 Green Bay Packers. So, a lot more to get to. It is this is I can't believe it it's week 1. It snuck up on us. I can't believe it, but I'm so excited to have football back and it is only going to be here for a few months, so we have to cherish it before it goes away again. Every time it goes away, I go, I'm going to cherish it more while it's here and I don't. So, do that. And let's enjoy this season more than we would a normal season, if at all possible. Remember, follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, locked on Packers, like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay locked on Packers.